You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Hey, everybody. This is Greg Alexander, the host of the ProServe podcast, brought to you by Collective 54, the first mastermind community dedicated exclusively to the needs of the boutique professional services space. On today's episode, we're going to talk about content-driven inbound marketing. Now, why are we going to do this? Well, many of our boutique pro-serve firms are trying to increase their business development efforts. I should say increase the efficiency of those. And when you're an expert, content marketing is an effective strategy because it allows you to demonstrate your expertise. So with us today, we have a fantastic Collective 54 member. Her name is Andrea Freyrear, and uh, I've had a chance to consume some of her content. And in my humble opinion, she does this better than most. So she was kind enough to join us today and share her wisdom. So Andrea, would you please uh, introduce yourself and your firm to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Andrea Freyrear. I'm CEO and co-founder of Agile Sherpas. We teach enterprise marketing teams how to apply Agile principles and practices so that they can become more effective and efficient, and ultimately the strategic partners that marketing should be and not just a bunch of burned out order takers. Okay, fantastic. All right, so let's let's start with, would you pr please just provide uh, an explanation as to what this kind of jargony term, content-driven inbound marketing, like what is it and how does it differ from the traditional marketing strategies? Yeah, it's really more much more about an audience and about solving people's problems than it is about talking about yourself at all so whereas typical marketing might lead with kind of features and benefits what do you do and all of that kind of marketing stuff inbound and content is there to deliver value to people who might never become your customers and then when they actually are ready to consume whatever it is that you provide, they will reach out to you. That's the inbound piece. They're going to raise their hand and say, love everything you do, been a fan for years, now I'm ready to buy. Um, and so it's really focused on them and what they need. There's a lot of overlap, especially when you get into distribution channels and how you get your content out in front of people that can overlap with what you might be doing with more traditional marketing activities. But really, it's all centered on the audience, all centered on providing value and way less about what it is that you do as a firm. Okay, that's an excellent uh, grounding definition. Why don't you share with the audience a few examples where you've implemented this for your own business and, and what the results were? This has been our bread and butter from day one. So we have up until kind of latter half of last year, never made a sales call, like never done an outbound sales call for the six years that we were in business. Our main channels have been our blog, where we publish once or twice a week and have done so for six years. And I do a lot of speaking as well. So those are our main channels. We've gotten into like YouTube and, and some of that in the last year as we've tried to diversify, but the blog has really been our, our core um, launching pad. And we got to 5 million in revenue this way, just deliver value, deliver value, and people fill out a contact form on our website. And some of them follow us for years and, you know, they get our weekly emails and 
they learn and learn and learn. And then they finally are able to build momentum internally to bring us in, or they get promoted to a place where they have budget to hire us. And, and then it's the shortest sales cycle in the world at that point, because they already, I already love everything we do. Yeah. You just described Nirvana for our audience, getting to 5 million in revenue with never making a sales call in six years. I mean, that's an incredible statement. So congratulations on that. And, and it's really a proof point that if you give value, if you educate customers, they're going to come to you because they're going to say, hey, you really know what you're talking about and you haven't been selling me. You've been, we, sometimes we forget we're services firms. We're in service of the client and that needs to be um, reinforced with our marketing efforts as well. All right. Well, firms that haven't done this yet, um, they're new to this. Where do you recommend they start? What are the first steps to take? You really have to know your audience because you've got to be resonant with them in the content that you create. And this isn't just their job role or the kinds of firms they work at or any basic demographic stuff. This is what is keeping them up at night what hurts them enough that they will go to the internet and try to solve it, right? They're going to be hunting for a solution and you want them to find your content. So you have to know where, what are they looking for? Um, and then in that same vein, you need to know where they are going to try to solve that problem. Some people, some kinds of searchers are still, you know, Google search, just general search engine stuff. Other people are really heavy into LinkedIn or YouTube or other search engines so you have to know where they're at already so you can be there too, especially early on. You can't be on every channel. It's just too much to distribute everywhere. So you got to pick a lane and get really good at it and then diversify over time. But if you pick the wrong lane, you're not going to see a lot of impact. So you really got to take time to understand people. And you can interview existing customers and prospects to find this out. People are usually pretty open and transparent about where they go for their information. Um, and the other thing that I would say is don't build on rented land. This is a, a kind of phrase you hear in content a lot. You don't want to spend tons of time building up an audience somewhere that you can't control. So, you know, Twitter, YouTube, even LinkedIn, they control those algorithms. They control how your content is showing up. So you can get eyeballs there and you absolutely should but your goal should be to convert them into an addressable audience of your own, right? Get them into your database somehow. Give them a downloadable resource that they're going to give contact information for. Get them to subscribe to a weekly, daily, whatever the cadence needs to be, an email uh, communication that you give. Uh, and so they become, you control the, the access to those people at that point. So you can start them out on another channel, but you want to get them into your universe as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, and then also, this isn't going to happen a court, in a quarter. This is a long haul, multi, over the, this should be a lifetime endeavor for our firms that you're just committed to doing forever. Uh, and so you can't think of it as something that will start and stop. Uh, in a quarter or even one single year. You should see results in you know a pretty reasonable amount of time, a couple quarters, but you're not going to stop at that yeah. point. You know, and I would just add to that excellent answer is that for founders, this is a high leverage activity, meaning let's say you spend an hour writing a blog and it goes to your subscriber list, which could be a few thousand people. So one hour that to a few thousand people, that's a one-to-many approach. It's a high leverage activity. You know, we're all time starved. So this is a really good use of the founder's time. All right, 
Let's get into kind of content creation itself. So what are the key elements of creating compelling and effective content specifically for inbound marketing? Well, building a little bit off of what you just said, that idea of build something one time, and then you can also reuse and atomize the content, right? So you and I are having a great conversation here. I know that you'll you'll cut it up and reuse it in a lot of different ways. And so like we do interviews with coaches. We cut those up and put them on YouTube. You transcribe it, it becomes a blog. And so thinking about all of the different ways to use and reuse what you do. I'm also a big fan of thinking about your own buyer's journey and mapping content to where it falls there. So you want to be across the whole journey. Like we talk about our content as someone who is aware of their problem, but they don't know what the solution might be. Or there's someone who is aware of the solution and is seeking for a guidance on applying it. And so we want to give value no matter where people are. And so, you know, thinking through what are the steps that someone might go on during their whole buyer's journey to get to you at the end and then make sure you've got content that's going to guide them across all of that. Um, I'm a big fan of also finding one pillar piece of content, right? What's And it's it's big. You put a lot of emphasis on it. And that's where you drive a lot of your traffic and your uh, content to. And it proves that you know what you're doing. It adds a lot of value. Uh, and then it can be the thing that converts them to uh, a subscriber of your own and so it's pretty close to the end of that buyer's journey. So those are, um, yeah, places that you can get get started. Yeah, you know, to add to that, the pillar piece of content that um, that we use at Collective Fifty Four is my book, The Boutique: How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm, and everything kind of pivots off of that. So we'll have um, a strategy around top of the funnel, which is to make people aware of their problems and and um, make them aware of needs uh, needs that they have that maybe they're not aware of. Then you go to the middle of the funnel. So I'm thinking about buyer's journey here. That's more solutions-based. So they're now aware that they have a problem. Well, what are the possible ways to solve that solution? Then when you get to the bottom of the funnel, it's more things like case studies and testimonials and references and things because they're looking for, you know, how do I know this is going to work? Like, what are the proof statements? So for those that are listening to this, particularly members, maybe an easy way to get started is think of top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of the funnel, that's kind of a simple buyer's journey, and then map your pillar piece of content and all of its derivatives along the way. All right, my next question is around metrics and measurement. You know, our audience are founders, and if they don't get an ROI on their time investment, they bolt. So how do you measure this? It can be difficult, uh, honestly, to get sort of end-to-end -end attribution and understand where your content is showing up. We hear from our prospects all the time. We love your content. We've read and we've seen, right? And and that's anecdotal. It's nice validation, but it, it doesn't prove that all of the time and sweat that you put in is actually doing it. But I think, again, mapping it to that sort of funnel view, right? So what's a top of funnel metric that you can get hold of that shows you your content is working there? And that can be really basic, like kind of reach sorts of of numbers so that's you know social uh, following across your your channels that you've chosen 
your search engine presence, right? How many terms are you ranking for and how much is your organic traffic growing month over month? But then you need to track conversion rate there too. So how many of those people become part of your addressable audience? And that's easy to keep track of because you should have an email management tool of some kind and you can see the growth of that month over month. And if it's not growing, then you're not converting, you know, people from the top to the to the middle. And then that last one, the sort of bottom of the funnel, you should be able to understand when you've got content influenced leads, right? If they downloaded your pillar piece of content and you know they did that before they were a lead of some kind, um, you can tell that it's influencing their decision to come to you as a prospect. So it doesn't have to be this massive, you know, multi attribution model. Um, but you do need to be able to tell if it's working, especially if you're asking people on your services team to contribute. They need to know that the time they're devoting, the time you're devoting is turning into prospects and eventually money. Yeah. You know, you talked about uh, the email list. Um, let's talk about technology for a moment. Uh, email management system is one tool I would I would imagine amongst many. I, I know some of our listeners right now are probably saying this sounds great common sense, I should be doing this. Oh my gosh, this sounds like a lot of work. What type of tech tools can help, you know, make this easier? Yeah, I will say there is a lot of craft involved here. Like the creation of really top-notch content is hard. And so things like ChatGPT, for instance, I think we have to talk about AI here. Mm -hmm. It can help you, right? It can help give you ideas. It can help you brainstorm titles, subject lines, keywords, things like that it can give you an outline. Please do not make ChatGPT your content team. Like <laughs> you will, you will not break through, right? It's, it's going to be generic kind of icky noise content that will not, it's not going to get you what you want. Use it to make you more efficient, but it's not your content team. Mm -hmm. um, so I will say that. But then also there are lots of ways that you can get the stuff out of your head, you know, talk to just a recording device of some kind and then get it transcribed. If you're not a writer, it's not everybody's core skill set or just, you know, turn on your camera and and talk to your audience, right? Be authentic. Talk about a problem. People love that. It doesn't have to be high production. Um, but then there's other kind of foundational tools. You do need some kind of email or CRM um, going there. I'm a huge fan of a tool called Spark Toro, which helps with audience research. So like people who Google this term, what podcasts do they listen to? And what YouTube channels do they subscribe to? What other websites do they tend to visit that I might want to have a guest post on? Um, it's a great way to get really granular information so that you're where your audience is and you're answering the questions. Um, that they want. Hmm. Let's talk about challenges. Um, you know, you mentioned some of them just in the course of our conversation, but are, are there any obstacles that, uh, you know, you want to put emphasis on and make people aware of? I you think it's, already talked about? yeah, it's very tempting to talk about yourself, right? To always lead and land on your solution and certainly that should come up, right? The point of this all is to get you customers, but you also have to present alternatives, right? Which could include just not doing anything, right? Keep consuming our content, do it yourself. Always a valid choice. 
or give them other ways to solve their problems. You're earning trust then. And so when you do say, hey, we're the best people to solve this problem for you, they're more likely to trust what you say. Um, I would also say consistency, like a lack of consistency can be a challenge. It's better to commit to a lower cadence of publication and stick to it than to be like, we're going to publish every day for a whole month, right? And you're going to burn out and you're not going to stick with it. So twice a month consistently for a year is better than it's like a new year's resolution, right? If I work out every day for a month and I don't do it for the rest of the year, I didn't probably help myself. But if I did it twice a month for the whole year, that consistency is better for me um, over the long term. And then you also have to think about your distribution, creating great content. It's not a, they build it and they, you build it, they will come kind of situation. People are busy. They have a lot of demands on their attention so you need to think about how you're going to get your great content out in front of them. Um, don't try to be everywhere. Pick a couple of key channels and get really good at those before you diversify. But you you got to get your content out in front of people um, or it's just kind of alone and sad on your blog. All right. And my last question is, does this cost a lot of money or is this something a bootstrapped founder can can do in a bootstrapped way? Absolutely can be bootstrapped. Very, very cost effective. Um, for instance, uh, we don't have any other full-time content people on my team. I do a lot, but we have a, a part-time person over in Bulgaria. He's been with us for years. He's super fast and efficient. He's gotten to know our business and our audience. So he's really great and, and an effective part-time resource for us. And so whether it's like leveraging a VA to transcribe your like brain dump onto, you know, uh, a recording device or just somebody to copy edit you, right? To If you're not a great writer, just go brain dump, right? And get somebody who that is their craft to, to nuance it for you. But it can be done with just a little bit of investment. There's not a lot of tools, right? It, like you said before, a lot of this is common sense, especially for those of us that talk about this all the time. We're in sales calls all the time. That's another great thing. Every question you get in a sales call, if you answer it more than once, it should be a piece of content somewhere. Your service delivery people, if they're getting that question while they're talking to clients, that should be a piece of content. And it's an easy, then they know how to answer it, right? That's their job is to answer that question. So you can get them to create content really, really easily and cost-effectively. It just has to be a priority. You have to set aside time. That's the big resource here is just the time uh, to get it done. You know, maybe a little advanced tip for those uh, overachievers out there listening. You know, everything we do now is is recorded, whether it's through Zoom or Gong or what have you, because we're living in a digital world. And these recording tools have AI uh, capability, and you can set up settings that says, in Andrea's case, you know, highlight for me the questions that the prospects ask. And then at the end of every single call, they'll literally send them to you. So you now you're just having a conversation with a prospect. You don't have to worry about jotting down notes. They And it builds an archive over time. And then maybe you look at it once a week, once a month, once a quarter, whatever it is, and you can clearly see what the information needs are of your target audience based on the questions they're asking you during sales calls. So just an advanced tip. 
All right, Andrew, we're out of time, but um, I, I want to, on behalf of the members and even those that aren't members that are listening to this, I, I really wanted to, to thank you for coming on. And your story of leveraging this technique of getting to $5 million with never making a sales call in six years is incredible. I mean, it really is. So thanks for coming on the call, and we really look forward to your uh, upcoming Q&A session that we'll have with the members. Me too. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right, a couple calls to action for those that uh, that are listening. So uh, if you're a member, please attend Andrea's uh, Q&A session where you'll get a meeting invite for that. If you're not a member and you might want to be, go to collective54.com and apply and we'll have somebody follow up with you. And ironically, if you just want to learn more and consume some information, consider my book. Uh, it's called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale and Sell a Professional Services Firm. And you can find that on Amazon. But until then, I wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale and exit your firm.